Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to learn and beyond learning, Father, to grow in Christ-likeness. I pray for your anointing upon me this morning. Lord, that the people would hear words I don't even speak, that they would hear the Holy Spirit. And, Father, that you would use words to create wellness within the lives of your people. We thank you that in Jesus' name, the mighty Son of God, we will not leave here the same, but we will be better equipped to win in life. Amen? Amen. Today I want to bring to you a message out of James, and it's entitled, what? Oh, boy, that's scary. I'll have to practice my lean. Okay, can you do the baptismal? There we go. So check that out. Does that not look cool? I like that. So pretty soon we'll be able to dunk y'all and hold you down to make sure you know Jesus. And if when you open up your eyes you see Jesus, no, we held you down too long. Just trying to be a blessing. <laughs> Amen. All right, if I don't get started, I ain't never going to end. Put up the, uh, this, there we go. This is what we're talking about today. Three steps to profiting from trials. And uh, I'm going to let you know that just out of three little verses that we're going to get to in just a minute, as I was working on this message over the past three weeks, um, I developed 17 pages of sermon outline. So uh, typically I get through three or four when the time you allot me on a Sunday. So um, buckle up. No, it'll be a twofer. It'll be part one and part two. But I don't want to hustle through this because this is so important. Because trials are going to come whether we like them or not. We might as well learn how to profit from them. Amen. So if you would, let's go to the book of James and we'll get started. James chapter one. And we're going to read verses two, three and four. I'm reading this to you out of the New American Standard. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, i got to tell you, the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle James, puts so much revelation truth in here that we're just going to try to unpack it word by word because it's important that we get this. So the first thing I want us to look at is the word consider. But before we get to consider, we got to know what is it. He said consider it. Make no mistake that the it he's talking about is the trial, the testing, the temptation, the pressure that you're presently enduring. He's saying that's it. Now I'm going to give you the divine way of profiting from it. And so he says in the word consider, which in the Greek is hajimeo. And hajimeo, now this is interesting, listen to this. It means to lead out before the mind, which is just a scholarly way of saying the first thought you have concerning it, let it be this. You understand what I'm saying? The first thought you have concerning your trial let it be joy. The first thought. 
The thought that leads your day. When you wake up in the morning and you're, you're confronted with that trial, the first thought you have ought to be joy. He goes on to say, to think to be such. This is the definition of the word. To think to be such. So he's saying, not only should your first thought be joy, but anytime you think about your trial, your temptation, your test, the ordeal you're enduring, think of it as joy. Continuing means to speak of not as an enemy. This is all in the word consider. Now, I don't know. I can tell by some of the looks on your faces. I think you're getting what I got. Just in the first word, James already made it impossible to do this in the flesh. I mean, within the first word, he, he is laying it out in such a way. Now, hear me when I say this. Y'all got to be supernatural because you can't be natural. Normal people don't think of trials and joy in the same frame. So what James is saying, y'all are born again because he says, my brethren. So he's not talking to the heathen. He's not talking to the unregenerate. He's talking to born again boys and girls of God. He says, y'all need to act like y'all are. You're going to have to be spiritual about this. Because if you behave naturally, listen, can I, can, I, can I say something to you right, real quick? You have the option. You don't have to act spiritual. You can act natural. But if you act natural, you're going to negate God's supernatural response. Selah. If you, if you, when you come under trial, and I'm, gonna, I'm chasing, I'm gonna getting ahead of myself a little bit, but when the trial comes... You can behave like a normal person and get angry and get upset and get offended, become full of anxiety and fear and want to get even. You can do that. But if you do that, you're negating what God wants to bring out of the trial. So you can't behave in a natural way and enjoy supernatural recovery. Okay? So what James is saying is he's saying you need to step out of the natural realm and step over into the supernatural realm so that through this trial, which, by the way, God did not author and God did not originate and God did not bring, but it's still going to come because how many of you know we live in earth, not heaven? So James said, when, and I'm going to get to that and just say, when, he didn't say, I, I wish I could go back in time and tell James, put if. In that sentence, write the word if because then I could have a way of faithing out of it. But he didn't put the word if, he put the word when, which means uncertain of time, but certain of event. I can't tell you when it's going to happen, but it's a coming. So since as long as we're in this world, we're going to have trials, let's learn how to profit from them. So the first step, and this isn't of the three, but the first thing we got to do is we got to learn to consider, to speak of it, think of it, and, and, and behave toward it as this is an opportunity for supernatural growth, and I will not be devalued, degraded, or demoted. I will be promoted on the other side of this thing, and I don't enjoy doing it. I don't enjoy going through it, but for the joy that is set before me, I'll endure this because I know when I come through it, I'm going to be more Christ-like than when I went into it. Is this okay? Absolutely. So to listen to this. To consider joy requires a complete dependency on the Spirit of God. 
Because I said, normal people just do not go into a trial and say, oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm so glad that I'm being persecuted. Now, mo listen, most of us do everything we can to avoid trials, to avoid hardships, don't you? I, you and I are the same, and I don't know how long you've walked with God, but I gave my life to Christ about 36 years ago, and in, in that time, I've prayed a lot for a lot of different things. I honestly cannot recall ever one time praying. And now, if you did, I want to see your hand because you're more spiritual than I am. But I never, I don't recall ever having prayed, Father, I want to experience what Job experienced. Would you please, by your grace, kill my camels, <laughs> wipe out everything so I can sit in the ashes of my house and throw it up in the air and cut myself with potted plants or the pottery. I've never prayed. I prayed for a lot of things. I've never prayed for God to test me that way because most of us don't. But here's the thing. You don't got to pray for a trial because it's coming. So since it's coming, let's find God's way of not only beating the test, but coming out better. Is this okay? We, listen, I wrote this down. We got to have a boatload of grace and belief that God is greater than this and that God really does work all things together for our good. Because on the other side of this wild, unfair, unjust, unpleasant ride, I'll be better than I am right now. Hmm. I'm only at the first word, and that's the first page of notes. 17 more pages to go. I wrote this down. I want you to hear this. Listen, if we don't have a supernatural mindset or attitude, we'll not have a supernatural life. And see, we got to understand this. The reason why so many saints do not experience supernatural breakthroughs is because, and this is just the honest to God's truth, we've not renewed our mind to think supernaturally. We think just like ungodly people think. When they tell us the economy's going to tank, we get scared just like everyone else. If the doctor gives us a bad report, our response usually is just like the unbeliever we got to change that because God, or God, listen, the re you know why we're still on this planet? So we can be his agents of change. We have to live like he did. And you never find Jesus freaking out. He, he would speak out, but he would never freak out. In fact, I find in, when I read through the four Gospels, he never even ran. It was like he never had a sense of urgency. Lazarus has died. Okay, I'll get there when I get there. But he stinketh. Well, I'm becoming. Because he had a supernatural mindset. He knew that God would always come through for him. And you and I have got to understand, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. That's not just a catchy phrase. That is the reality. We are born of something greater than just mere flesh. We are spiritual beings. I might look like a flesh creature, but I'm not a flesh creature. I am a born-again child of God, meaning my spirit is in his image, and I'm more like him than I am like them. And so we need to renew our mind to think of ourselves differently. And for too long, we've allowed religious people to dictate our level of living. 
Because we didn't want to offend them, so we just said, well, I'll live like y'all live. No, no, no. We've got to have the courage to say, no, this is who he said I am. You say I'm this, but he says I'm that, and I'm going to accept what he says of me. You say disease has got to be the end. He said I can lay my hands on the sick and they will recover. You say that all miracles have done away with, but I don't find that in Scripture. I like what I heard Rick Renner said. He said, I'm not a sessionist, I'm a continuist. And a continuist is I believe that everything he ever was, he still is, and everything he ever did, he still does. And if God ever healed anyone, he can heal me. And if God was ever good to anyone, he'll be good to me. He was faithful to Jesus, and he's faithful to Jimmy. And if he was ever good, then he is forever good. And he can't be not good. Because the Bible says he changeth. In him there's no variableness, no shadow of turning. He's the only one who never does anything out of character. So if God was ever good at any time in history, then he's forever good. So you got to have a supernatural mindset of knowing even though you are in trouble, God's right there with you. And then James continues. He said, we got to consider it all joy. Are you ready to have your minds rocked yet again? Because consider it was enough. I mean, we could have gone home with that and had enough to chew on. But he says it's got to be all or pure joy. And what he means by this is undiluted joy. You can't have 99% joy and 1% anxiety. You can't have 98% joy and 2% anger. He says, if you're going to profit from this, you've got to consider it 100% joy. Once again, James is going, listen, y'all can't be natural. Not in win in life. Y'all got to be supernatural. Y'all got to learn to think differently than other people think. Other people go into the trial you're going through and they lost their mind. You go through it and you gain. It makes no sense, but when you go through it, you come out better. You come out with the silver. You come out with the gold. And you come out with a whole lot of Egyptian cotton. Are y'all following me? Everyone say God is good. God is great. God is greater than what you're going through. And that's got to be on your mindset. God is bigger than this. God is stronger than this. God is in me. God is for me. God is with me. So I can make it through this. And you can consider it 100% joy. Now this has to be the joy of the Lord. This can't be some religious, mental exercise where you fake it. Why not? Because... You can only fake something so long. Y'all follow me? How many of you have ever pretended to be someone you weren't so somebody else would like you? We've all done it. But eventually you behave like you really are. And then they discover you ain't what you were. Pretending to be this is who you are. Now they got a decision. Do they like the fake you or the real you? I discovered long ago you might as well just keep it real because eventually you're going to do something that betrays who you really are anyhow. Right. So James saying, don't fake this. Why? Because if you fake it and I want you to hear this, your persecution is going to outlast your perseverance. Selah. Meaning the trial will last longer than your fake faith. 
and you will break down, you will give in, and the enemy will have won. Because, see, when the enemy designs a trial, he doesn't design it to improve you. He designs it to destroy you. But God is, God is, God is not the author of our trials, but he's a great editor. And I don't know if you've ever had any documents you've ever done edited when you turn it. If it's a really good editor, they like change your words and they move this over here and because they know what you're really trying to say, but you ain't saying it that way. So they edit it. And by the time you get it back, it means something different than when you presented it to them. That's the way God is. He's a great divine editor. The enemy designs this, this weapon to destroy you, and God says, well, let me move this, 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 and this, and get them to do this. And then what was designed to destroy you actually serves to be your promotion. There is no weapon that is launched against you that can prosper. And for every temptation that comes your way, God gives you a way out. For every pressure in your life, God designed a way out. Can I tell you, according to what we're preaching this morning, joy is the way out. That no matter what happens, you are a joy filled because you don't have phony joy. You've got joy that comes up out of your spirit. It doesn't emerge from your mind. It's the joy of the Lord that he planted in you and it came into you and impregnated you by his word. So you've got a resource they don't have. And all James is saying, dig into that resource. When the trial comes, when everything falls apart, and Jackie, you couldn't have sang a more perfect song this morning. When everything else is shaking around you, you've got to know that you know that you know that in him you are greater than this. That when you're facing Goliath, you've got to call, recall the lion and the bear. And the enemy sent that to take me out, and I overcame that. And the enemy sent that to take me out, and I overcame that. And you're going to be just like them. Is this okay this morning? There is a way to profit from the trials. Now, I don't know if I'm helping you, but I'm helping myself. If it's not the joy of the Lord, your strength won't last. Put up on the screen Proverbs chapter 24, verse 10. Proverbs 24, verse 10 says, If you fail under pressure, your strength is too small. The strength available to you and to me is greater than any pressure that can ever be applied against us. I'm going to say that again. The strength that is available to us is greater than any pressure that can ever be applied against us. What do you mean by that, Pastor? I mean, it hurts. There's no doubt about it. Trials are not pleasant. James didn't say they were pleasant. He didn't say they'd make you happy. But there is no weapon formed against you that can prosper. There is no trial that can take you down. Consider the outcome. Listen to this. Consider the outcome more than the go through. Uh, that's better than you think it is right there. Consider the outcome. Most of us, we talk about what we're going through. We ought to talk about what we're going to. So focus on the outcome more than the go through. Go with me, if you would, to the book of Habakkuk, chapter 3, verse 17. And I'm going to read through to verse 19. Now listen, when you all want me to quit, just start throwing things at me and I'll stop. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. Even if the fig tree does not blossom and there is no fruit on the vines, if the yield of the olive fails and the fields produce no food, 
even if the flock disappears from the fold and there are no cattle in the stalls. Yet, I will triumph in the Lord. If it's written, our uncertainty is unnecessary. Even if all of this, even if everything in my life falls apart, even if it seems like there is no way out of what I'm going through, He promised me He would provide me a way out. Yet I will triumph in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. When am I going to rejoice? When the fig tree does not blossom? There's no fruit on the vines? You follow me? There's no cattle in the stalls? Yet I'm going to rejoice. Why? Because I will triumph in the Lord. This story ain't over, y'all. Do not judge me by what I'm going through right now because you don't know the final outcome. I will be the head and not the tail. I will be above and not beneath. And God will guide me into a wealthy place. And all of his word will come true. And that's the same for you. So don't judge yourself either. And say, well, this is all life is ever going to be. No, put the quill in his hand and let him rewrite the end of the story. Y'all have heard of the trials of Job, right? Did you know that Job got double for his trouble? Go with me to the book of Job, chapter 42, verse 10. Listen to this. The Lord also restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. And in addition, are y'all with me? In addition to the restoration of his fortune, the Lord increased double all that Job had. Now, did what he go through, was it pleasant? Absolutely not. And there's no way you could faith it in such a way or paint it in such a way that it was a wonderful experience. But when he came out, God, Job knew something about God he didn't know before. And then there was Peter. Listen to this in Luke chapter 22, verse 31. Reading it to you out of the Passion Translation. The Lord is saying this, Peter, my dear friend, listen to what I'm about to tell you. Satan has demanded to come and sift you like wheat and test your faith. But I have prayed for you. And I wish there would have, instead of a comma, there would have been a period. Right? I prayed for you, Peter, and you ain't going to have to endure nothing, buddy. I got your back. <laughs> Listen, I have, I'm a faith preacher, but I've heard some faith preachers absolutely twist Scripture to fit their belief systems. And if you've got to make the Bible say something other than what it says, that ain't faith. So this is what I have prayed for you, the Lord says, that you would stay faithful to me no matter what comes. Remember this, after you have turned, your, turned back to me and have been restored, make it your life mission to strengthen the faith of your brothers. Now, in another way of saying it, Peter, for what you're about to go through, you'll need strength. So I've prayed for you. But when you've come out of it, you'll be the source of strength. I'm going to say that again. Peter, for what you're about to go through, you need strength. 
So your family and friends at Real Life Church have prayed for you. But when you come out of it, you'll be a source of strength. So make it your life mission to bless everyone around you. Go to with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. I got a long ways to go and a short time to get there. So we're eastbound. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. I hate it when I tell jokes that betray my age. <laughs> you don't ever know eastbound and down. We're loaded up and trucking. We're going to do what they say can't be done. We're going to finish the sermon. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this. Because his heart was focused. Everyone say focused. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus endured. How? How did he endure it? According to this verse, it was because he was focused on what? Joy. The joy of what? The joy of knowing that on the other end of this, you'd be his. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says this. We all experience times of testing, which is normal to every human being. But God will be faithful to you. He will screen out and filter the severity, nature, and timing of every test or trial you face. He will screen out. Man, I know sometimes when you go through it, you think like, God, this feels like I'm dying. And if we could hear, he'd probably say, well, it was designed to kill you. But I filtered it out. It's not as severe as what it could have been. I filtered it out for you so that you can endure it. Well, why do I got to endure it? That's where we're getting. There's something, listen, you, there, when faith has been tested and you come out the other side still believing what you believed before you went in it, there's something purer about that faith. There's, there's something purer about someone's faith who has faced down an enemy. I mean, when we come out of Bible school, man, we all know a whole bunch about nothing. And everything's theoretical. But when you're sitting at a kitchen table and there ain't no food and you and your wife got to believe God for food, they don't teach that in Bible school. It's theoretical then, but it becomes real when you got to believe God for the food and it comes. Then you know the God of the Bible is the God of my life too. And just this may not be manna, but it's Chick-fil-A. The next best thing. He did not fail then. He will not fail now. All he's looking for is a group of people who will say, I believe you no matter what my circumstances state. Hmm. We all experience times of testing. That's normal for every human being. I love that. But God will be faithful. He will screen and filter out the severity, nature, and timing of every test of trial you face so that you can bear it. And each test is an opportunity to trust him more. For along with every trial, God has provided for you a way of escape 
that will bring you out of it victoriously. Now let's go to the next. He says, my brethren. And I think this is important because James was addressing fellow believers, the blessed, not the cursed. And it's very easy. And it's, listen, if you read Jewish scholars, they'll say that what the Jews were saying about the, the young church, the people of God, the new believers, was that if Jesus was God, you wouldn't be going through what you're going through. So the Jews would point at the test and the trials and say, this is proof that your faith is misplaced. And so not only did the young believers have to put up with the test, they had to put up with the uncertainty. Maybe I am believing the wrong thing. As it was then, it is now. Because even in the church world, we'll have those people who will point at what you're going through and say, see, this is proof. Your faith ain't strong. You're believing in the wrong thing. I've known people that believe that Jesus was the healer till they got sick. And somehow now their sickness is proof that Jesus isn't the healer. And there's always the Pharisee in the church who will say, yep, see, I told you Jesus doesn't heal anymore. Because if Jesus still did what he said he would do, then you wouldn't be going through this. Well, this is what the Jews would do to the young believers. And James would cry out and Paul would cry out and say the same thing. No, no, no. Your trial is not a proof that you're inferior. Your trial is not a proof that your faith is insufficient or misplaced. Trials are normal to human experience. But those of us who have, as we saying this morning, put our faith in Christ, I'm so glad that when I go through a trial, Jesus is in my life because he filters out the severity. I remember when my wife and I first went to the mission field, and man, did I have to deal with hypocrisy and criminality in the, in the government. I, I, I had met with the Polish, uh, what do you call it over here? Not the embassy, the, there's another word, consulate, that's it. And I did everything they told me, so I thought when I shipped all of my wife's belongings, and I'm using my, it was all belonged to my wife, because she's let me know if it's mine, it's hers. So I shipped all my wife's belongings to Poland, everything we owned, because I told her, I said, if we move, we're moving full-time, not part-time. We're going to be full-time missionaries. And so when we moved everything there, I mean, man, they tried to extort money out of me every single day. One day I came home and I told Deborah, I said, I need to go see a violent movie. Because <laughs> I had been down, I had been down with the customs agents all day long. And I came home and I said, I got to go see somebody get shot. I can't do it. God won't allow me to do it, but I got to live victoriously through the screen. I've got to see some destruction. So we went to go see Godzilla. And when Godzilla went crashing through a building, in my mind, that was the customs office. And I was like, yeah, get him, you big lizard. Do what you do on Jimmy's behalf. And my wife would say, love. You ought to love him. I said, I'll love him after they did. And I thought, man, what we're going through, see, now the reason I'm sharing that is because it would have been so easy to say, well, we made a mistake by moving to Poland. Because if God was forced, it wouldn't have been this hard. So maybe I made a mistake. The devil will try to talk you out of your destiny. And the best time his, when his voice is the clearest is when it's the hardest. And he'll come to you and say, yeah, if you're a son of God, why would you be hungry? If you're really anointed of God, why would you be going through what you're going through? And I thought nobody had ever gone through anything like what we were going through until I met another missionary. 
and I heard their story. And then I realized I'm God's favorite. <laughs> because what they went through, they literally lost everything. Ours was just delayed. Theirs was denied. You follow what I'm saying? So when we go through a trial, it's easy to think no one's suffering the way I'm suffering. Go talk to somebody who's going through what you're going through without Jesus. And you'll see the difference, and you'll understand God really is blessing you. It don't feel like a blessing, but God is for you, not against you, and God is with you. And what that which is hurting you was actually designed to eliminate you, but God. Hmm. So he was saying, my brethren, James is writing to people who were well acquainted with the pain and the challenge of trials. Listen to this. Most of these Christians had faced severe trials, even to the point of losing their homes, their jobs, their security within a community. They had to flee literally for their lives to a strange place. They lost everything. And it was to these people that James is writing, consider it all joy. Hmm. Then he says, when. <laughs> that cursed word. When. Means at an uncertain time, but with certain probability it's coming. You can't faith your way out of this. There's nowhere in the New Testament that you have faith, that you have scripture to say, I'll never be persecuted. I'll never be misunderstood. My life will always be grand. There's nowhere in the Bible that states that. And I've had people come to me and say, well, I, I, I'm not believing for trials. And I want to say, well, bro, neither am I. But I don't have to faith my way into a trial. It's coming. I can faith my way out. I can praise my way out. I had a young man come to me one time, and I don't know what he had heard. He heard some preacher on YouTube who'd stated, you never have to die. So he came to me, and he said, Pastor, he's not a member of this church anymore, by the way, because he didn't like my response. He said, Pastor, can I believe God that I'll never die? And I thought, well, if you're thinking according to what Paul wrote in Thessalonians about those who remain will be caught up together, then yeah, you can believe that. But if you're believing, and I knew where he was coming from, I said, if you're stating that a thousand years from now, if the Lord tarries, you'll still be here. No, you can't believe that. Well, I got eternal life. I said, well, so do I. He said, well, I want to believe I'll never die. I said, you can believe, and this is the key, listen to what I'm saying. You can believe whatever you want, but you can't have faith for it. You can believe that you're a purple Martian man-eater. You, you can believe you're non-binary. But that don't make it so. You can believe whatever you want, but you can only have faith for what is written. Hmm. So you can believe that you'll never be tested. Or by faith, you can learn to profit from it. The Spirit of grace is speaking through James. How much longer do I have? Y'all haven't thrown nothing at me. The Spirit of grace speaking through James said, When, when, and this is important, when you encounter various trials. Y'all got, can you give me a few more minutes of your energy? I thought I'd make it to page 10, but I'm only on page 5, so maybe this will be a three-er. He used the word various trials. Now, this is so important. The word various means variegated or variety of shades. And it means not every trial is the same. This is so important. Listen to me. Everyone say, I'm listening. 
Some of our trials are obviously spiritual because they come against you because you're a Christian. That's obviously spiritual. But James used the word variegated, meaning there's different shades and shapes, sizes of trials. Some are not so obviously spiritual. Some appear to be racial. Now, I'm I'm keeping it real. We're going to deal with this. Some appear to be physical or emotional. What if the trial is social? What do you mean by that? Social injustice. Hmm? What if it's economic? What if the trial is about gender inequality? Or what if the trial is about, and here's the catchphrase of the day, inequity? Put verse 3 back on the screen. Knowing that the testing is of your faith. So even if the trial comes in a way that appears to be racial, what's being tested is your faith. Can you still believe that God loves you even when they don't? Come on. This is what's being tested. See, behind it all, it is spiritual, but the enemy pretends it's something else. Can you still believe in the God of justice when what you're beholding with your eyes is social injustice? Because what's being tested is your faith. Are y'all following me? Now, see, this is, remember, I told you earlier, you can, it's easy to respond in a spiritual manner when it's obviously a spiritual trial. But what about when it appears to be racial? Now, am I going to be spiritual in my response? Or am I going to be natural in my response? Because I can be natural. I can just get angry about it. And I can pick up rocks, stones, guns. And I can go out and kill everyone who don't look just like me. And that's what the enemy wants. Because now if I've responded in a natural way, I have just surrendered and negated God's supernatural response. James said variegated. There's various trials. And when you're being treated poorly or badly, can you still believe in a good God? Even when there's no one around you treating you good. What's being tested is your faith. When they take everything from you, can you still believe he's good? Keeping it real. Because, see, if we don't understand that what's being tested isn't my faith, can I still believe in the goodness of God when all I see is the wickedness of men. When I have nothing to give because it's been stolen from me, can I still believe, Steve, that God is a provider? Because what's being tested is my faith. And when everything within me wants to scream out and strike out, And the only thing I can pray is, God, this is so hard. This hurts so bad. My faith is being tested. My faith is being tested. My faith is being tested. He'll whisper, do you still believe? 
Because you remember when Job was being tested, his wife came to him. And I'll close after this. I'm not done. I'll close after this. He was going through a trial. And she came to him and she said, do you still hold fast to your integrity? That word integrity means holding it together. Are you still holding on to God? Look at your life, you bonehead. God is good. You got nothing. You had a house. You ain't got a house no more. You had a family. All your children been killed. Where is this God? This is his wife. Are you still holding fast to your integrity? Then she says something. Why don't you just curse God and then die? But don't die till you curse God. Because, see, that's what the enemy wants. That's, that's the reason why we're tested in a variety of ways. Because the enemy says, if I can't get him on the spiritual, I'll get him on the racial. If I can't get him on the racial, I'll get him on the emotional. If I can't get him on the emotional, I'll get him on the financial. I'll get him somehow. So with a variety of ways, he comes and he tests us. And, you know, Rick Renner says that, really, if you want to understand what the word devil means, it means poker, prodder. And have you ever had, like, a, a bruise? And somebody comes and they, right on the bruise. If they did it down here, it wouldn't hurt. But they keep doing it right there. And that's what the enemy, your weak spot is where he's going to poke you. And he's going to keep poking until he finds that weak spot. Now, once he finds that weak spot for whatever it is, maybe with you it's political. He's going to keep hitting that spot. Does it hurt? Yeah, it hurts. Good. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep doing it until you curse God. And then after you curse God, I give you opportunity to die. And what God is waiting for is saying, are you going to keep believing me? It's easy to believe me when everything's going good. It's easy to believe me when you're in a congregation and everyone's lifting their hands. But will you believe in my goodness when everything in your life has been shaken? James says, and we'll close. We'll pick this up next week. James says, consider it, saints, consider it, saints, consider it. What you're going through, other people have gone through it too, but you're going through it with Jesus. You're going through it with the Holy Spirit of grace on the inside of you. Lean into him. Lean into his presence. Lean into his word. Consider it all joy. Knowing this, Paul never ever told us, give thanks for the trial. That's just, that's, what do you call it? Sadism. That's being sadistic. Someone that likes pain. I don't like pain. That's why when my knee hurt, I told my wife, go buy me something for pain. She said, you can't take that. I said, does it work? She said, yeah, then I buy it. Because I ain't trying to prove nothing to nobody. I want some pills. I can pretend to be strong when I'm in the pulpit. But Monday night, I want pain killers. None of us like pain. But the reason pain comes is because the enemy wants to see, do you still, but you said you believed it. When you were on the mountaintop, oh, you were dancing and you were singing and you were telling everyone God was good. But now that you're in the valley down here with me, do you still believe? And if you and I refuse to relinquish our faith, the great God, Jehovah, will make sure we come out of that fire and we don't even smell like smoke. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Cleve, come on up, bud.
Let's lift our hands. In just a second, Cleve is going to give you an opportunity. If you're here this morning, and first thing, if you don't know Jesus, <laughs> you're either brave or stupid because you're trying to make it through life without him. And life is a full contact sport, baby, and you don't make it out of this place alive. You need Jesus in your life. And not just as a get-out-of-hell card. He'll teach you how to live life to the fullest. So we want to give you an opportunity if you've never